We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This week, I called up our colleague Jared Diamond, who covers baseball. Is, uh, is baseball your favorite sport? Oh, yeah. Yeah, by far. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anybody. <laughs> there are a lot of things that have been hard about life in quarantine. And for Jared, one of the hard parts has been living without professional baseball, which should have started over a month ago. How have you been holding up without baseball? It's been really tough. I hadn't bought a video game in probably 10 years, uh, but I made an exception this year for the new version of MLB The Show, which, by the way, much harder than I remember. I'm terrible at it. I don't (laughs) understand. It kind of reminded me why I stopped playing video games, because clearly I much prefer, like, NBA Jam, where there's only two buttons and everything's very easy, but I'm starting to get better. Jared might not have to replace real baseball with video games for much longer, Because the MLB, like many other businesses, is trying to figure out how to open back up. To do it, Major League Baseball has been discussing a range of different options, including an idea that sounds straight out of science fiction, basically putting baseball in a bubble, quarantining the entire league in a couple locations. But all the ideas share something in common. No fans. Today on the show... Major League Baseball's out there ideas to reopen, and the one place on earth that's actually playing professional baseball right now. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Friday, May 1st. All major sports leagues in the U.S. have been on hiatus since March, which means fans are desperate to get their live sports fix. It also means pro sports announcers have no games to call. First of all, can you uh, introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Joe Buck. I am a father of four. I live in St. Louis. I'm a Taurus. I just turned 51, and I broadcast the World Series and uh, Super Bowl and U.S. Open on Fox. 3-2. You can hear Joe Buck's distinctive voice calling pretty much every World Series game of the last two decades. But he announces for regular season games, too. And in a normal season, he says his schedule would be ramping up right about now. What has it been like not to have any sports to do play-by-play with? It's been more disconcerting and depressing for me just as a fan. Uh, You know, I think even more so than broadcasting the games... I don't feel like I've got some Pavlovian response where I'm just itching to put a headset on and call whatever happens in my driveway. (laughs) He may not be doing play-by-play of what's going on in his driveway, but Joe has started doing it for other people. He recently put out a call to his Twitter followers saying that they should submit home videos so he could add his own play-by-play commentary. He got a lot of submissions. Everything from a guy stuffing Oreos in his mouth. Grabs them all. There's one. One is in. One's no problem. We can all do that. There's two. Mildly impressive. I could do it. No problem. To a video clip of a bunch of marbles rolling down a racetrack dug out of sand. Off they go. 
amazing how they get out of the gate. And you would have to think that if these marbles are all weighted the same, that uh, whichever one gets out in front will likely be the winner. Joe says the marble race was the hardest one to call. That thing was like over two and a half minutes long. You want to test your <laughs> vocabulary and your ability to call play by play. Do a marble race around some makeshift thing in the sand or mud. Thank God it wasn't any longer. I would have literally <laughs> been out of words. It wasn't the funniest bit of content out on the internet, but it seemed to uh, scratch some itch that people had of kind of seeing some activity and I guess hearing my voice put to it. And I realize not everybody's a sports fan. I'm smart enough to know that. But it is a big part of American life. And it does at times bring people together. And it can be a great diversion. So it is sorely missed, even by the non-fan, I think, because it's just usually there and now it's not. Clearly, a lot of people are eager for pro sports to come back. But it's more than just a diversion. It's big business. With every day that we await the return of our favorite athletes and announcers, leagues are losing money. And of all the pro sports leagues, Major League Baseball seems to be in the toughest spot. Football is in its offseason this time of year anyway. Basketball and hockey did have their seasons cut short, but they still got to play a majority of their games. Baseball? has had no season at all, which means the league is especially desperate for revenue. So MLB executives and the Players Union are scrambling to come up with a way to bring live baseball back. Here's Jared. At some point in the last couple of weeks, I think baseball's finally come to the realization, uh, maybe slower than they should have, but finally came to the realization that there's not going to be games played at major league stadiums in front of fans anytime soon. They're going to have to find a way to start games with no fans. And over time, the union and the league have had some actual calls. I wouldn't call them negotiations. I would call them more discussions. But I hear some ideas that we have. And if we're going to have games, it's probably going to have to be with no fans. The leagues would lose out on revenue from ticket sales and concessions, but they would still make money from broadcasting games on TV. The question is, how can you do it safely? They're working with a medical expert, Dr. Ali Khan in Nebraska, who used to be a, a director with the CDC. He's basically their Fauci, the MLB Fauci, Dr. Khan. And he's been working with MLB behind the scenes, sort of giving them guidance on, uh, from a medical standpoint, what they would need and what might be possible to have a season. One of the most widely discussed options for weeks has been a plan that would basically quarantine the entire league from the rest of society. The idea would look something like this. The MLB's 30 teams would all relocate and play their games in no more than a few locations. The players would have to live in nearby hotels or apartments for months, maybe even separated from their family and friends. And there's really only one or two places in America where this kind of bubble could actually happen. So there's major league caliber stadiums dotted around Arizona and Florida. There's 15 major league teams trained in Arizona, 15 in Florida. So they know the facilities are good. You essentially set up like a biodome there and you play all the games at the various spring training stadiums. How do the governors in those states feel about these ideas? Both Arizona and Florida's governors have made it clear that they're open to the idea. You know, Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, recently included professional sports on his sort of list of essential services in the state of Florida, clearly in part to uh, entice 
perhaps Major League Baseball and other entities to come into Florida and play. So the governors are on board. What is holding it up? What is holding it up? Well, look, it's a big ask of all the players. There's been many players out there that raised that they won't do it, that they will not sort of accept being quarantined in a hotel away from their family for four months. It's also a lot of people that would need to be in this quarantine. The players alone add up to four digits, but then you have you know, umpires and you have bus drivers and stadium security people and clubhouse attendants and television crews. And there's a lot of people that would need to essentially be quarantined for a very long time. Uh, would people be willing to do it? What would happen if someone broke quarantine? What, what would happen if somebody got sick? Lately, the MLB has been thinking about adjusting the idea, not requiring players to self-quarantine for an entire summer, but still requiring some big changes. The Biodome plan is not dead, but Major League Baseball is sort of moving toward playing in as many Major League stadiums that is possible based on government restrictions and support from governors. To have a season like that, baseball has an idea of completely realigning the league. One idea is to divide baseball into three divisions of 10 based on geography and having teams only play against those opponents. So this would limit travel for everybody. So that seems to be where baseball is leaning today, but there's still a lot of obstacles that would need to be overcome. Whatever the MLB ultimately lands on, one thing seems certain— there will be no fans at games, which raises a big question. Wouldn't baseball in an empty stadium be super weird? There actually is one place we can go to find out what it's like, a place that is still playing professional baseball right now, in the middle of a pandemic. That's after the break. We've all felt left out. And for people who move to this country, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Welcome back. As the MLB weighs some hypothetical options for a biodome season, there's one professional sports league that is currently up and running the Chinese Professional Baseball League in Taiwan. The Chinese Professional Baseball League started in 1990. There's currently four teams in the league in Taiwan. It is considered the third best baseball league in Asia, and it is certainly the highest level professional sports league in the world that is currently operating. So Taiwan gives hope to Major League Baseball that they could play. How was Taiwan's league able to open? Did they have like a plan like they did in Major League Baseball for this sort of biodome situation? Well, the good news about Taiwan is that coronavirus is essentially contained. There have been fewer than 450 confirmed cases in Taiwan, fewer than 10 deaths. That's with a population of about 23 million people in Taiwan. Taiwan is sort of being held up as the model responder to this pandemic of just about any place in the entire world. Uh, so as a result, in Taiwan, they're not locked down. Taiwan's baseball league hasn't taken the kind of extreme measures that the MLB is considering, but they are taking precautions. They encourage players to avoid crowded spaces and require other employees to wear masks. Then there's the biggest precaution. No fans at any of the games. That is gone. Out of here. 
Bye bye, see you. Even though the stadiums are empty, the league has been doing some creative things to keep the fun alive. They have cheerleaders and like crazy mascots who are all still there doing wild antics. You can call him Mr. Fish Hair, and he's the mascot of the Thailand city government. He's dancing. They've also had cardboard cutouts of fans and mannequins and even robots in some stadiums, uh, sort of simulating fans. Wait, mannequins and robots? Well, at least one team has sort of rudimentary robots that kind of move a little bit uh, in the stands. And teams have been putting like cardboard cutouts of fans in the seats to just sort of as a joke, I guess. <laughs> a couple of players told me they felt like they were being watched. That's so funny to hear a baseball player saying they feel like they're being watched. I mean, isn't that like what they're normally used to from thousands of people? Yeah, but it's different because it's like these like creepy two-dimensional like flat faces with googly eyes <laughs> like that are not moving. They're just sort of staring at them. And I could see how that could be creepy. I know one player told me that uh, his fiance surprised him and got four cardboard cutouts of herself to be put into the stands to be put right behind the plate you know for money you pay a, a small fee and send a picture to the team and they'll make like cardboard cutouts of you uh-huh. and put them in the stand so you could sort of see yourself at the game despite these efforts for players the stadium can feel pretty empty the first day that you had to pitch in a stadium with no fans how did that go it's your first game of the season right so you're kind of amped up no matter what that's Don Roach, a starting pitcher for the second-place team, the Uni President Lions. Don's played in the MLB and in Japan and Korea, and this season he made his debut in Taiwan. i definitely say it's not as exciting playing without fans, right? Because, you know, they, they kind of control how the ebb and flow of the game goes with their cheering and their excitement. You know, we do this because, you know, a lot of baseball players, you know, you, you love the excitement of the game, you know, there's very few better feelings on earth than being successful and hearing people cheer for you, right? So, you know, it's definitely different. But for Don, there's one rule meant to prevent the spread of coronavirus that's actually harder to get used to than no fans. No spitting. I spit a lot, just involuntarily. <laughs> and I've done it several times. I pitched tonight. I did it several times. And I catch myself and be like, oh, man, you, you can't do that. Is there a penalty if you do? Yeah, I'm I think there's a fine. I heard there was a fine. Like per spit? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not I hope it's not because I had a bunch tonight. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of scared about it. Is that more strange than having no fans? I mean, spitting just seems like such a part of baseball. <laughs> it really is, right? That's definitely like the biggest barrier for me to, to get over <laughs> is to try to stop spitting. And I'm really trying to because it, it's a nasty habit. You know, it really is. Overall, Jared says... Even without the fans and without the spitting, it's still fun to watch. It's still baseball. It still feels like normal baseball. And honestly, most of the time you kind of just kind of eventually just forget that there's no fans in attendance and you're just sort of engrossed by the games because the players are still playing hard. Yeah, I heard there was even a bench-clearing brawl at one point. There was. There was one game in Taiwan where there was. I wouldn't call it a brawl. I would call it more of a... Uh, a, a angry gathering <laughs> on the field. Sosa fires one and the benches are cleared. We could have a big problem here as Sosa's ready to take on the whole team. And the bench- there was no social distancing going on. They were all yelling and scuffling and shoving. So uh, clearly there was no shortage of emotion, even though there was no fans. 
These games have started to find an audience, even in the United States, where live broadcasts happen in the early morning. One English-language live stream got more than a million views. It's got to be the most attention that the Taiwan Baseball League has ever gotten, I would expect. Oh, ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think anyone knew much about baseball in Taiwan until now, and now I feel like all American baseball fans are becoming experts in the Chinese Professional Baseball League. Does the Chinese Professional Baseball League fill the baseball-sized hole in your heart these days? No. (laughs) Of course not. Uh, Is it better than nothing? Yes, it's great. I love it. It is live professional baseball, and I am eating it up. But it's not Major League Baseball. I don't know all the players. I don't know all the teams. I don't have any emotional attachment to it. I don't know, it's like eating like cotton candy. It feels really good in the moment, but afterwards you're kind of left feeling a little hollow. <laughs> that said, I'm very glad they're playing and I will continue to watch it because right now it's all we've got. The takeaway for me from Taiwan is that sports without fans is something that can work. So it seems to work in Taiwan, but it'll take a lot more than no fans and no spitting to pull off the ideas that the MLB has been considering in the U.S., where there are far more coronavirus cases. Whether it's a biodome or empty ballparks around the country, an MLB reopening will ultimately rely on one thing, lots and lots of coronavirus testing. Dr. Anthony Fauci himself, from the White House's Coronavirus Task Force, has chimed in on the MLB's biodome aspirations. He said that for it to work, the MLB would need to regularly test hundreds of players and personnel, probably every week. That's a lot of tests every single week. And you need not only have access to them, you have to have access to them in a way that wouldn't take away from hospitals, frontline workers, and other essential businesses. So that infrastructure doesn't exist right now. And frankly, we're not sure when and if it will. If we get to a point where that prevalence of testing is actually possible, then all of these plans become considerably more feasible. What does it say to you, that the fact that baseball is considering this sort of audacious plan to quarantine the players to get baseball going again. Well, look, it's very easy to be cynical about this and say, oh, it's just about money and baseball doesn't want to have a year with no revenue. And and it's true. But there are sort of romantic notions about baseball's role in times of crisis and being sort of a beacon of normalcy in abnormal times. You know, baseball was the first sport back after September 11th, 2001, and it was a big deal when baseball came back. And baseball really prides itself in how it came back first and was a big part of the recovery for the country after that terrible tragedy. So to have baseball, even if things are sort of weird out there, uh, would sort of give people hope and a sense that normalcy may be still on the horizon. That's all for today, Friday, May 1st. Actually, Joe Buck, why don't you take it away? Thanks, Ryan. The Journal is brought to you by Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. Joined to the booth by Ryan Knudsen and Kate Linebaugh. Starting lineup this week, Gerard Cole leading off. Meg Driscoll batting number two. Pia Godkari third. Annie Minoff in the cleanup spot. Ricky Nevetsky batting fifth. Sarah Platt, sixth. Willa Rubin, seventh. Annie Rose Strasser in the eighth spot. And Rob Zipko batting ninth. 
And of course, we would be nowhere without our audio crew. The show is engineered by Griffin Tanner, who had help this week from Sam Baer. Special thanks to Louise Radnofsky for her reporting on this story. Theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music from Katherine Anderson, Peter Leonard, Bobby Lord, Billy Libby, Emma Munger, So Wiley, and Blue Dot Sessions. Scorekeeping, or I mean fact-checking, by Joy Crane. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope to see you back at the ballpark someday very soon.